What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Donnie Nelson, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I like this, TK. I like that. Yes, yeah, the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move daily, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the Step Back 3. Oh, yeah! Boy, Chris Stabs, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads, dang, go relax, still at a champ. Defense still coming with the Calibus flow, the Mavs the best on the flow. I'm wild. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I will be joined later uh, by my co-host, Matt Galatson. But in the meantime, I've got our good buddy, Bobby Corrala from Mavs.com. He's here to recap the Mavs Clippers game and... You know, we're going to get into some uh, Mavs trade deadline stuff and uh, even talk, looking forward and talking about the playoffs, too. But, Bobby, how's it going, man? It's good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Look, uh, t- another tough loss the other night, 110-107 uh, to the Clippers. It was a lot better than the first time the Mavs took on the Clippers, but, I mean, <laughs> it, it was still gut-wrenching. Uh, out of these 16 losses, 12 of 12, 12 of the losses have been by single digits. So uh, some of them have just been excruciating, and that was the case last night. And I mean, it even it made it even worse, you know, given that Dwight Powell ended up uh, rupturing his Achilles. So that that was a big loss. And what's your your overall thoughts from the game itself? We can get into Dwight Powell here in a little bit, but just the game itself, what did you like from the Mavs uh, compared to how they played the Clippers the first time? Yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm pretty surprised that the game was as close as it was, just if I'm being just brutally honest. I mean, it, it felt like the Clippers had a lot of chances at kill shots, essentially. You know, I think Kawhi ended up shooting, what, one of nine on threes and yeah, Landry Shaman hit a couple late, but before that, he really couldn't make anything. I mean, they Lou Williams had, I think, his first bad game against the Mavs in his entire career. I mean, he, <laughs> he was kind of, uh, you know, almost he wasn't a non-factor, obviously, but I mean, he just wasn't his typical self. You know, Montrezl Harrell obviously was great. Kawhi was great in the fourth quarter, um, but you know, to me, it was a case of the Clippers being the better team, and you know, they were kind of having a bit of an off night offensively. I know they ended up with 110, but you know, they weren't playing to their own standards, I think. And the Mavs had a few chances to get back into it. You know, they, they took the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, you know, they didn't build themselves enough of a cushion to withstand Kawhi turning it on in the final few minutes. And, you know, Luka matched him point for point for a while there. But they just they came up short on a couple possessions and missed a couple free throws. And uh, next thing you know, you know, at the end of the game, you're down three with, you know, a couple seconds left at the free throw line. And you're thinking, man. It would have been really cool if they wouldn't have started 0 for 11 or given up a 16-0 run in the second quarter. And, you know, games like this are, in my opinion, a pretty good example of what Rick is talking about, you know, after a loss, whenever he says, well, the game was kind of lost in the first quarter. You know, obviously, watching last night, you think, well, no, the game was lost because Tim Hardaway Jr. missed the three and Luka missed some free throws and... Uh, you know, they they left Shaman open a couple times. But, I mean, really, you know, you go 0 for 11 and give up a 16-0 run in the same half, that is going to happen. You know, you're going to be you're gonna be trying to make up points at the end of a game. And so, um, you know, it wasn't a good 48 minutes. There were good, like, 8 or 10-minute stretches. But, unfortunately, uh, you know, to beat a team as good as L.A., even when they're having an off night, you really got to put 48 minutes together. And they just weren't able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like, I, I mentioned this last night too, uh, when I was talking to Matt, but you know, it, it was as, as much as what went wrong. I know there was some questionable calls and a lot of people were upset about there that. There were some but... pretty brutal calls. I want to, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't want to be like ref guy, but dude, 
Yeah. There were there were some iffy ones in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, again, you got to leave room for error, you know, in those situations. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, the Mavs, they had a lead late. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to look back through the, the game score here. I know they were up 98-97, uh, and then I think it was Shamit who hit a three. Yes. To put them up 100-98. And uh, then it was kind of a uh, Clippers scored, I think, eight straight points to go up 105-98. Right. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I was talking about last night, too. You know, even taking into consideration some of the questionable calls and everything, the Mavs were going back and forth in that fourth quarter with the Clippers, and then it just got to a point where – the Clippers kept making shots and the Mavs couldn't keep making shots. So, and they had some really good looks, you know, even on that second to last possession where uh, they were down three and DeLon Wright got the steal and uh, Luca passed it to a wide open Tim Hardaway Jr., which, you know, some people were questioning whether Luca should have passed that, but it was absolutely, you know, the right play there considering how they've both shot the three this year. So, I mean, just stuff like that. It was unfortunate, but they, they, despite the questionable calls, they still had their chances. And Yeah, I do, I do want to say, I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, it's weird. I saw a lot of people saying that a lot of people were criticizing Luka for passing the ball, but I didn't see anybody criticizing Luka. And so my suggestion to people who did see a lot of that is to clean up your Twitter up timeline. The- <laughs> Stop <laughs> following people who think that way because that's not only is it wrong, but it's just like it's just stupid. So yeah, clean up your timelines. Hit that unfollow button. Unfollow is your friend, you know. And the you know I think one of the main people that that did that was uh was Skip Bayless. And I don't follow Skip Bayless, but you know some people will will quote tweet or reply or something. And it ends up on the timeline anyway, and I'm just like, oh man. Yeah, <laughs> here yeah, we it's go. Bad news. It's bad news. <laughs> but I think uh, at one point. That that sham at three to put them up 105-98 with like a minute and a half left. I think that was their seventh possession that they had scored uh, in eight trips. So, I mean, the Clippers caught fire at the right time. I mean, it was very similar yeah. to – it was different degrees, obviously, but it was similar to the way that Chris Paul just kind of turned into a supernova at the end of that Thunder game. And you know, there have been a couple other games too. But, I mean, the Mavs have been on the giving end of that against the Wolves earlier this year, they made, I think, eight threes in a row or eight out of nine threes in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, if you get really, really hot like that, then it's just it's tough to keep up, you know, because you literally have to score every time. And kind of the big talking point about the team this season, at least in the last month or so, is that they've you know kind of had the inability to score in crunch time. But last night I thought was one of their best crunch time performances all season. It just happened that right. you know, the Clippers were uh, just a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, look, the Mavs, they're still in a good place. They're 11 games over 500. they They're still uh, sitting there in the fifth spot with a little bit of a lead over the Houston Rockets, and they have a pretty good bit of cushion, you know, going down uh, through where San Antonio is in that ninth spot. So I'm, I'm not concerned as far as making the playoffs goes. I think this team, unless they just have otherworldly bad injury you know, other bad injuries, I, I think they're going to make it. Uh, it's just a matter of where they'll be. And, you know, they've got a game coming up tomorrow against the depleted uh, Portland Trailblazers. But, you know, <laughs> Dame, he's, he, he's coming off a 61-point performance the other night. So they're, they're still going to have to do something with him. But where do you see the Mavs being at as we get closer to this trade deadline? Because, I mean, they – They've got this game coming up against the Blazers, and then I have to look at the schedule here. I think they play OKC after that, if I'm uh, correct. Utah and then OKC. U- Utah and then OKC. So, yeah. uh, I mean, where where do you see them being at as we get closer to this trade deadline? Well, I mean, obviously their hand is kind of forced a little bit, I think, by what happened to Dwight. Um, yeah. You know, they were kind of in a position 48 hours ago where they could say, we're kind of comfortable with our roster, so we don't really have to make a move unless we feel like it's the right one. Um, you know, no matter what people think about Dwight Powell, I mean, the Mavs were content with that situation. So, you know, they didn't really have to, to pull the trigger on anything. Uh, but now, you know, without him for the rest of the season, um, they got to do something. You know, whether it's sign a free agent, like I think Joakim Noah's name is floated around and Kenneth Reed's name has popped up and there's guys in the G League, guys in 
Europe and China and, you know, I'm sure Australia, basically all across the world, there's big guys that are looking <laughs> yeah. for NBA jobs. And so, you know, they could do uh, a simple sign one of those guys and uh, let, let's see what happens. But they have a 15-man roster right now, which means they'd have to cut someone or, or trade someone, unload someone. And um, so, you know, they have to, to make a move no matter what just to, to shore up the center spot because right now you have three big men and one of them is Boban who's got a pretty severe minutes limit. And another one yeah. is KP, who I don't know if he's going to play back-to-backs this season uh, anymore, you know, after what happened to his knee. And even if he does, you know, he's on a minutes restriction right now. So you got to do something. Um, now, what that move will be, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know what ha- has been true and what's been false about, you know, who they've been kind of sniffing around on. Um, I don't know if they're we're getting closer to making a deal anyway, and now they got to change it up a little bit or maybe start from square one. But, you know, the timing is pretty tough because uh, right now it's, what, January 22nd? The trade deadline is in two weeks. Yep. Uh, even if they signed a center in five minutes, it would take a few guys to uh, a few days to get that guy kind of integrated and up to speed with the offense and everything. And so, you know, they're going to be without – a big man for at least the rest of this road trip, I would think. I mean, again, unless they pull a trigger right now, um, you know, they're going to be playing three bigs uh, unless Isaiah Roby gets in the rotation or something. And uh, that's tough. You know, they're going to be up against it for the next week or so at least. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty unavoidable now. You know, they have to make some type of roster move simply to field a complete roster um, between now and, and the trade deadline. And we'll see what it is, but um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, their leverage of just being able to kind of sit there and say, yeah, I mean, you know, we don't really have to give you this guy or we don't have to give you this pick because we're fifth right. place and we're pretty happy with where we are. You know, they don't really have that luxury anymore. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, that's why they get paid the big bucks. And that's why you and I do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And look, I, I think, well, two points here. One it's an unfortunate situation and obviously they're going to look to add another big man. But my first point is I don't think this affects anything else. They might've, you know, looked to do because there, we don't know exactly who the Mavs are looking at. Although there have been reports that they're interested in Robert Covington, uh, haven't heard anything about, uh, Bogdanovich in Sacramento, but I mean, there's a lot of people that, think that makes a lot of sense and uh even if they don't have what it takes to get in on that just you know i don't think them looking for a big man in a separate deal now uh affects any other plans so i think they could still you know accomplish what they want to accomplish uh by adding another wing if they want to while still adding another big man and then the second point i was going to make is whoever that big man is that they end up you know, signing or trading for or whatever. How important do you think it is to make sure it's a big man that's, you know, stylistically similar to what Dwight Powell does? Well, that's a pretty tough question because, I mean, there just really aren't many guys in the league who uh, kind of do have that same profile as Dwight. I mean, if you think about, you know, really big-time lob targets. He is unique. Robinson is one. I mean, yeah, I mean – Mitchell Robinson and Robert Williams are really good rollers, but, I mean, they're both, like, 21, so I don't think they're going anywhere. And, uh, I mean, there's guys like, I don't know, I mean, like Dwight Howard is kind of doing that this year in JaVale, but, I mean, the Lakers are pretty happy with them right now, too. So, you know, there there aren't a lot of rim runners, um, period. And, you know, even if there are, I think part of what's made Dwight so valuable is that he kind of, uh, you know, his greatest weapon is his speed and his agility, which I think, compliments Luca's and before him JJ's kind of lack of quickness right I mean like his pace helps cover up their kind of you know their I don't even want to call it middling speed but I mean like Luca's not going to burn by anybody but whenever you got to respect the big man speed it kind of changes the geometry of things a little bit so uh, it's gonna be really tough to replace him I'm not sure that you can go out and find a role man I mean like you know Kenneth Reed obviously is a pick and roll guy so I mean that could be kind of a, a plug-and-play situation, but I mean, there's a reason that he's not in the NBA right now, and, and Dwight Powell is playing 28 minutes as a starter, so um, it's going to be tough to match that production, but to your first point about the, uh, you know, will it affect any deals they were about to make, 
kind of agree that it probably doesn't, but uh, only because, you know, in order to, to have a deal on the table, I guess, for a big man that would be different now because Powell went down, that would first have to mean that they were going to trade one of their other big men, which I don't think is yeah. even a remote possibility. So, uh, yeah, I mean, every, everybody knows kind of the, the contracts that they have on their hands. And I guess if anything, you know, Powell's situation could mean that the, the traded player exception uh, comes into play a little bit because, you know, you can just kind of use that to absorb a contract if another team doesn't want one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the big men that are available for trade right now, at least reportedly, are making way more than $11 million a year. So, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, I mean, it, I, I really don't know. I mean, you, you can't replace Powell's player profile. Uh, you can replace his production, you know, 10 yeah. points and 7 boards. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can give you that. But in the same way that he does and kind of the, the same sort of like yin and yang thing with both Luca and KP, it's going to be really, really tough to find a guy who can kind of fit in and uh, fill that role. Yeah, and I mean, look, if uh, like we've already talked about, there's so much that uh, went wrong in that Clippers game just for the Mavs to end up losing by three. And, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, it was his first game back after missing a handful of games due to his uh, right knee being sore. And, uh, you know... <laughs> He went four of 17 coming back, so obviously some rust there. You know, if he even goes seven of 17 or eight of 17, under 50%, but, you know, still something like that, we might be having a different conversation. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how long it's going to take him to knock off the rust and get back to, you know, where he was when uh, Luca was out with that ankle injury, but – he had gotten to a really nice point where he had strung together a couple of really good performances. And I think if he's able to pick it up, no matter what move the Mavs make to, you know, make up for losing Dwight Powell, I think they'll be okay. So uh, I, I think a lot is going to ride on how KP shakes off his rust. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You know, he Luka going down for those five games – kind of forced him into that lead role again that he had in New York. And I feel like he answered the call really well. Uh, you know, other guys stepped up too, like Jalen was really good while Luca was out, for example. But, um, I mean, KP really rose to the occasion. And, you know, it just kind of sucks that Luca came back and they played two or three games together and then KP went down again. And, you know, coming back after missing, you know, almost a month is pretty tough. You know, there's there's a lot of rust, and you got to get your legs back under you and everything, and I, I feel like his shot was pretty flat in the second half last night. Uh, you know, front-rimmed a few really pretty good looks. Um, so I wonder if fatigue was an issue, like you said, rust too. Um, but, you know, consistency has kind of been something that he's been, I guess, striving to improve this season. Um, you know, every fourth or fifth game, it seems like he has kind of a like a four for 10 or a you know two for 12 kind of game. And so, you know, he's, he's still shaking off the cobwebs a little bit from the other knee injury. So um, hopefully these two, these two rusty recoveries just cancel each other out and he gets good again. But, yeah, I mean, like if he goes from 17 points on average efficiency to like 21 on above average efficiency, then that really, really, really helps kind yeah, of big cover difference. up some of the, yeah, some of the losses that you that you will take from uh, losing Dwight. But. Yeah, I mean, he's just got to get there. It's it's an ugly process. I mean, getting building yourself back up is not a very pretty thing to watch sometimes. Uh, there'll be good days. There'll be some really bad days. He's had some bad days this season, but he's had good days too. So uh, hopefully eventually we get to a point where the good days sort of, uh, you know, outnumber the bad. Right, and I mean, he's, he's only played, you know, 30-something games after missing, you know, almost two years of, of NBA action. So... What we've seen from him so far this season, even with the rust, is pretty incredible in my opinion. Like some of the games, he, you know, and before before he had uh, that injury or the before that soreness in his knee started coming up, the thing with me was in that little stretch when Luca was out, it started to to me it it felt like he was starting to get his legs underneath him a little bit more. You know, he he seemed a little bit more springy, especially in that uh, win at Philadelphia. 
Uh, so that, that was the biggest thing for me when he went out, I was just like, Oh man, uh, <laughs> now he's going to sit out for a while and he's going to have to, you know, build that back up. But I think he'll get there. And like I said, I, I think him performing at a higher level, uh, that'll, you know, make up for, uh, them not having Powell. And I'm just going to throw this out there and then we're going to talk, you know, we're going to look forward and talk playoffs. But I was looking, I was like, okay, for a Dwight Powell replacement, Who's a guy that hasn't been mentioned? He's athletic. Uh, he's a really good pick-and-roll guy uh, as the role man. And I was looking at Myers Leonard, who's in like the 90th percentile as a role man, which is around where Powell usually is. And he's shooting like 42 43% from three. I'm wondering if that's a guy that, you know, you could potentially get from uh, from Miami given how Bam has performed this year. I'm not even going to – I can't say his last name correctly, so I'm not, <laughs> not going to try to – Bam Adebayo? Yes, him. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, they got a glut of bigs, right? I mean, that's kind of why the Mavs were uh, at least – I don't know. I, I don't know who to believe with that whole fiasco, <laughs> but the, the Kelly Olenek, Dragic, Derek Jones thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be really nice to have another big man on the roster right now, so – it would Which, have been cool if that trade would have happened. Given, well, one given of the how, of it. Yeah. well, given how Goran Dragic has played this year, you almost wonder if they shouldn't have <laughs> shouldn't have considered that side of it a little bit more too. Yeah, but. I mean, yeah, we'll see. You know, I I don't know. Bam has been really freaking good for them, so I, I don't really know how that oh, kind of yeah. like. It almost seems like I mean, kind of. We saw it up close with Luca really two years in a row now. Whenever you draft somebody who's way better than you thought they were going to be, way quicker than you thought they'd get there, it kind of like changes the way that you approach what you're doing. I mean, Bam has them competing for like the number two, number three seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, all of their best laid plans coming into the season are now like clicking beyond their wildest imagination. And sometimes whenever that happens, you're like, okay, yeah, we could probably trade one of our prospects for Chris Tapps Porzingis right now. So, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Miami does, and uh, just another reason that those two teams are linked forever. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, if if you look at it too, if like you said, it's a, a gluttony of bigs for Miami, and Myers Leonard, he's got one year on his deal. He he's an expiring contract too, I believe, eleven point two million. So, I mean, everybody's been talking about what they, you know, if they're going to use Courtney Lee's expiring for something, or you know, attach a second rounder to you know bring in somebody that can contribute like that so I mean I I could see something like that working but like you said we'll see now look Bobby this is our last point and then I'll let you get out of here but like I said earlier Mavs are in a great spot Uh, it it looks like they're you know going to hold on and make the the playoffs for the first time in three seasons I'm going to knock on wood so I mean it would really really suck if they did not make yeah the yeah so i mean it, look if, if the mavs end up missing the playoffs you can put the blame on me <laughs> but no bobby look we, we've been talking about this historic uh mavs offense you know it, it's the number one offense in the league efficiency wise it's been so all season i'm just curious to you know get your thoughts on how can this offense translate over to the playoffs, will it translate over to the playoffs, especially now that, you know, they're dealing with Dwight's injury and everything? I mean, it kind of depends. Um, you know, in the playoffs, typically teams go smaller. They'll only play one big and sometimes not any at all. And so, you know, what I've been curious about all year is like the way the Lakers are winning. You know, they're playing a lot of bully ball with LeBron at three. I mean, he's their point guard, but he's playing small forward uh, size-wise with Davis and McGee or AD and Dwight, you know, can you play both of those bigs in the playoffs? And the Mavs this season have kind of done the same thing. You know, they, they had Dwight with KP or Dwight with Maxi, Maxi and KP. They roll out Boban every now and then. I mean, for the most part, except for when guys have been injured, they've played two bigs almost all game, every game. And so, um, you know, a huge piece of their offense is now gone in Dwight. But, you know, before he got hurt, rim running was a massive part of what they did. Without him, you know, just simply it's a numbers game, probably going to see a lot more one big offense. And so they they can kind of, they're sort of forced to transition to playoff style basketball in that, you know, I wonder if they go, you know, it depends on who they're playing, obviously, but, it, 
you know, if you can put Luca at four or you can play Dorian at four, Justin at four, you know, those guys. But yeah, uh, I mean, I would say most nights now uh, between now and the playoffs and into the playoffs, they'll probably be at like a muscle disadvantage. I mean, that's been the case many nights anyway. But especially now without Dwight, I mean, if you start Maxi and KP, you only got Boban off the bench. So, uh, you know, you really got to be careful with how you preserve your your minutes and your resources at four and five. And I think that's going to kind of force them to play smaller, which is more suited to playoff style basketball, hunting for mismatches and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, their, their offense is going to change a lot now without Dwight. We'll see if it's as good. I mean, all of the numbers say that, they are much better with him on the floor than they are with him off the floor. This yeah. season, whenever he's on the floor, they're shooting threes at about 38%. Whenever he's off, they're shooting threes at 33%. So that alone is, and I mean, we all know, believe me, you open Twitter, you'll know Dwight is not the one that's taking those threes, and he's definitely not the one making them. But his ability to get to the rim opens things up for other people. And so that alone is going to be something they're going to have to overcome. But uh, that can kind of be erased by KP stepping up a little bit, you know, and Luca figuring out uh, his, his three-point shot, too. But, I mean, their offense is fundamentally different now than it was yesterday. So that alone is going to be a big thing to overcome. Um, but in the playoffs, too, I mean, it, it really depends on the matchup. You know, if you play the Lakers and they want to play volleyball, then it's going to be tough to match up with that. But if you play someone like Houston or Utah that, for the most part, plays one big, one jumbo big, Capella, Gobert, uh, you know, the Nuggets play Millsap, but he's he's like big for a four, but not too big. You can get away with playing a smaller yeah. guy into him too. Then uh, you can kind of play more your own your own style, you know? And I think in those matchups, like this is looking way far ahead, obviously, but if they do get matched up against Houston or even Utah, uh, going small is the way to go. I mean, if you play Porzingis as the lone big, you're pulling Gobert 30 feet from the basket and you've already won. I mean, you might not win the series, right. but, like, you won the matchup. And so that is going to be kind of the, the story of the season. And so in that regard, you know, losing Dwight obviously sucks an extreme amount because he's a great dude and a very good player and very important to what they do. But in the playoffs, I'm not sure how much those three big guys will play together. You know, it might have been like a one or the other kind of proposition all the time. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it sucks that an injury forced their hand, but, I mean, ready or not, we're going to find out how their playoff offense will fare because they're basically going to be playing it for the next four months. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's definitely dependent on who they get matched up with. I'm personally rooting for it to either be the Rockets or the Jazz because, like you said, I think they can – take advantage with KP, especially if they, you know, play him at center against uh, Gobert or Capella. Uh, it's a little bit harder matchup, you know, if they end up playing the Nuggets with uh, uh, with the Joker, you know, because he's a little bit more versatile. He can do a lot more things. And then uh, I just think – I think the nightmare scenario would be playing that Clippers team in the first round. I, I just <laughs> – I yeah, do I mean, not – the Clippers are going to – they're going to win the championship this year. They're, yeah. It's – they're so much better than everybody else in the West, and no disrespect to the Lakers, but I mean the Clippers are just—they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's like being thrown into a grinder every time every time you play against them. So yeah, I, that's that's I'm I'm hoping that the Mavs can avoid them, but I, I, there's a couple of matchups that I like there. But yeah, well, I mean right now, like I, I don't want to jump the gun, but. I mean, OKC is, they were winning whenever we started this. I don't know what the score is in that game. But if they win tonight, they're only going to be two games out of, uh, two games behind the Mavs. Right. So two games out of fifth place. So, I mean, there's a chance, you know, I, I severely, highly, highly, highly doubt that the Mavs will fall out of the playoffs unless something terrible happens. But, I mean, seventh is not out of the question for Dallas or for Houston or for Utah. I mean, heck, Utah was playing pretty bad basketball for a while there, but they just, they caught fire recently. Um yeah, I mean, one thing to watch the rest of the way as far as seeding goes is Dallas plays OKC twice, Houston three times, and I, they play the Jazz three times too. So, I mean, that's that's yeah. eight games against teams that are separated by, like, two games right now. So that'll be enormous. I mean, if you play, like, 75% win basketball against everybody else, but you go two and six in those games, you're kind of screwed. So uh, those games right. starting Saturday and then Monday, I mean, that's, that's two of them right away. I mean, you got to – you got to try and get wins against those teams to help your case. 
Well, and you never know because it's like Denver. Uh, they have injuries with Jamal Murray and uh, Plumlee. And then you've got the Clippers who, you know, they don't play Kawhi or Paul George or Beverly every night. And from that two spot down to four, so two, three, and four, the Clippers, Nuggets, and Jazz, they're separated by a half game. So even if something happens with the Mavs and they end up falling to sixth or seventh, they're just, they're just hardly there's, – there's no way to really predict who they're going to play. <laughs> there's just so yeah. many different scenarios that can happen between now and in the end of the season but like we talked about I, I think there could be some favorable matchups for them and I just I hope they end up with one of those but yeah but even then man I mean like if they match up against Utah I agree that of the top four teams right now Utah is probably the the best matchup yeah. but what gives the Mavs more fits than anything else well guys who can pull up from 25 feet and centers who crash the glass really hard and they have both of those guys in Mitchell and Gobert and Mike Conley, who's like a professional all-time Mavs assassin. Yes. So, uh, I mean, none of those, none of those teams. Me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not interested in playing any of those teams. It would be really cool to just get a bye in the first round. And even Houston, too. I mean, like, beating Houston would be hilarious and it would be awesome. But losing to Houston would be worse than losing to any other team. And so it's almost like I'm, I'm like, afraid to play them just because if things go bad, it would really suck. Yeah, well, we, that's part of the fun, right? Yeah, it's part of the fun, and the Mavs they they owe Houston one after that that last playoff series that we will not talk about because a certain player quit on his team and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but look, Bobby, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me, and we'll definitely have to have you on, you know, sometime in the near future. We really appreciate it, man. Hey, definitely, man. Thank you. All right, we'll see you later, Bobby. Appreciate it. All right, guys, again, that was our good buddy, Bobby Corrala from Mavs.com. And now I've got Matt Galatson back with me. Matt, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm good. I'm sorry for missing the conversation with uh, with Bobby there. That was unfortunate. Um, some other work responsibilities <laughs> kind of got in the way, and uh, it's fine. We're all fine here now. Uh Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm doing well, man. I, I had a we had a good uh, or I had a good conversation with Bobby uh, talking about the uh, the Mavs' close loss against the Clippers and a couple other things. And I'll get your thoughts on it too now that you're here. But uh, I know how that can be. You know, stuff comes up at work and it <laughs> it can be really frustrating. But we won't get into all that. We we saved that for off air. You know, before we got on here. So. <laughs> Yeah, but, I got all my cursing out of the way already. But I mean, just overall, your thoughts on that Clippers loss? Even though they, even though they lost, and I, I told this to Bobby too, they they still played a whole lot better than what they did the first time they played the Clippers. Which, given you know Paul George was playing in that game, but still, you know the Clippers are the Clippers. They're really good. Uh, it's just they're they're almost impossible defensively. But the Mavs, they, they still put up a good fight. And despite, you know, having KP go 4 of 17 and uh, having some calls not go their way, they still had a chance at the end, uh, multiple chances, and they just couldn't, you know, capitalize on it. So what are your uh, your feelings from how that game ended, how that game played out? Well, whether or not they have Paul George in the lineup, they're still <laughs> – like you said, I mean they're Impossible. they're just bullies, and they, they they for a good portion of the game they bullied the Mavericks. I mean, especially Montrez. It wasn't Harrell. like the, yeah. I mean th- that guy is just unreal. I I would really like to have him on the Mavericks. He got he made so many second chance opportunities for the Clippers, and that really is the thing I think outside of the referees and all the other you know factors that went into that game. Those it was the second chance opportunities I think that really buried the Mavericks and um it was unfortunate but I really like watching Montrez play he's one of my uh NBA crushes so to speak so um but yeah I mean it's you know they're just the Clippers are on a different in a different stratosphere right now than just about anybody else in the NBA I think I I agree with with Bobby um you know you told me before I hopped on that he pretty much predicted them to win the whole thing and I yeah I couldn't agree more they're 
they're elite and they've barely played together. I think I heard um, a stat that the main core for them has only played together this season for 46 minutes. Oh yeah, they're which they're is, absolutely saving it for the playoffs. Oh yeah, and I think they're just gonna get, run roughshod over the playoffs and. Um, I don't think anybody stands a chance, not even the Lakers. But, you know, I mean, I thought the Mavericks um, ended that game well. I thought Luka made the right play at the end, despite what, you know, a lot of other people have said. And, oh, yeah, um, I, that's one thing I did. Just, that's one thing I did. <laughs> that's one thing I did forget to tell you. He he absolutely agreed Luka made the right play. And I mentioned that some people were saying that Luka didn't, to which Bobby advised that we clean up our Twitter timelines if that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that we probably should have done that before, but um, no, yeah, but I mean, people who watch basketball and who watch the Mavericks and have been you're are aware of what this team can do and just really the way basketball works, that's the right play. Luca didn't have the shot. Um, Hardaway is I think what forty two percent on catch and shoot threes, so yes. he's wide open. You give him yeah. the ball. And you let him take the shot. You know, LeBron makes that play. Um, anybody makes that play. And it's I'm Rick Carlisle agrees. I mean, that's the right basketball play to make. And it just didn't go in, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, and, look, I mean, it, it's a three-point loss. It was KP's first game back from missing, what, 10? Was it 10 or 11 games? Uh, he missed 10 games and was out for, I think, 22 days. Yeah, and I mean, so it's his first game back. Going 4 of 17 definitely doesn't help. You know, if it, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, too. If he just makes two or three more shots, that's a completely different ball game. So, well, yeah, and he also altered a lot of shots that yes. they weren't, they were, they were, th- there were things that he were, d- that he was doing that they weren't able to do without him in the lineup. And he altered a lot of shots. He, you know, he was good on the glass. He he kind of got bullied by Montrez, but pretty much everybody does. So I don't hold that against him. Um, and yeah, he needs to make more shots. But when you've been out for that long, it's kind of hard to do that, honestly. So yeah, um, I I I thought they played well. I thought they played well enough to win. I just hope they really don't have to face the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs, which is the way it's set up right now, which is well, very unfortunate. And I mean, look, this is one thing we didn't talk about in the first segment here, but if we did, if we were unfortunate and got a Clippers-Mavs first round series in the playoffs, at least we know Luka is going to rise to the occasion. Uh, he needs to make his free throws, you know, missing five free throws and a three-point loss, that, that really hurts, but... Uh, you know, 36 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. Uh, he didn't let the, you know, let the Clippers aggressive defense, uh, you know, really deter him in this game like he did in the first one. Uh, so that, that tells me that, you know, he kind of learned from that and found different ways to score this time. And, you know, the longer Luca is playing against these teams. Because, I mean, we, we keep – so he's done so much good that we just forget that he's 20 years old. But the more he plays against these teams and learns other teams' tendencies, other players' tendencies, he's just going to keep getting better. And he's going to – when you have the rest of these uh, – the rest of his teammates clicking – this Mavs team is going to be a tough out for anybody in the playoffs. I still don't want to play the Clippers, but, you know, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, who's been a great three-point shooter this year, he was two of six. KP was one of eight from three. Uh, Luka himself was three of 12 from three. Uh, you know, Kleba, who has been a great three-point shooter this year, he's, you know, 40, 41%, I believe, from three on the season. He was 0 of three. So, I mean, you know, they're – they're, when they're on, they're almost unbeatable, and when they're missing those threes, it, it gets kind of tough. But it was still, you know, really close, and I like the effort that they put in. There was just a lot of unfortunate things that happened in that game. So I don't know. Yeah, and you know, if you if <clears throat> if you are missing all of those shots, and you're still you know a possession away from beating the team who I think is the best team in the NBA, you're doing something right. You're, yeah, you're doing something right. And, you know, obviously the Dwight Powell thing is very unfortunate. It's a killer. And yeah. I know I rag on the guy a lot, but 
you know, he'll be missed. I I don't think it's going to I mean I mean there are some people saying that, you know, the Mavs might miss the playoffs now because no. Dwight's not in the lineup. I think people need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. He's he's You need to look at the standings. Very good <laughs> when yeah, I mean, he's when he's on the floor, they're a very good team and offensively, and they're going to need to find a replacement, but this isn't the end of the world. As this is something I told to somebody earlier in the day, if the Mavs can survive 10 games without KP and go 6 and 4 over that stretch, they can survive without Dwight Powell. Yes. It's going to be tough, but they can do it. Yeah. And they just need to find a way. They'll have to change some things, but you know, this is life in the NBA. Yeah. You have to be able to withstand injuries and look, I mean, for stretches, you know, they've got uh, Boban, who, I mean, every time he, it makes me so happy watching him play because it's just like he's playing with a Nerf ball out there. And he was the only guy that could stop Montrez Harrell last night. <laughs> you know, when when Montrez Harrell started to single-handedly take over that game, Carlisle put Boban back in again. Well, he did it earlier in the game, but then at the end he he put him back in again. And that's when they, you know, started to stop. So, Montrez, he's only like six foot eight, so <laughs> just a considerable size advantage for Boban, and uh, he gave him a lot of trouble there. But the downside with Boban is he can only play so many minutes, you know, 15, maybe 20 minutes on a good day. So, I mean, that's why they're having to look, you know, for some other uh, help at uh, with Dwight Powell out. And... I mean, who are a couple of names? You know, we've seen a lot of names being thrown out there. A lot of people seem to be infatuated with uh, the idea of Kenneth Fareed. I don't necessarily like that idea. Gross. Um, I mentioned Myers Leonard. I, I don't know. I don't know how. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know how realistic that is because I don't know how much Miami values him. Uh, Bobby mentioned to me after we recorded that, you know, even though Myers Leonard doesn't play a lot of minutes, he starts a lot of games for them. So I don't know what the price would be there, but overall, I think he's probably the best Dwight replacement you could find just based on his style and, you know, his athleticism. And he's a, he's a much better three point shooter, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the Mavs go from here, but Tim McMahon reported that they reached out to Joakim Noah and, they're going to be, uh, you know, keeping their eyes open. Uh, all different avenues to try and find a replacement big, probably on the cheaper end. But, I mean, what are you thinking? Who who do they get here to replace Dwight? Well, it's very difficult because there aren't a lot of players like Dwight who are that, you know, efficient rolling to the rim. Um, you know, I still think that maybe – the best avenue to go is to approach the trade as if, you know, the way they were going to before Dwight was injured and then just alter it a little, a little bit and add a big to the mix. So what we talked about all day today on Twitter and, and, um, argued with a lot of people about was the idea of Bogdan Bogdanovich and then, you know, taking Dwayne Dedman, which yes. it's not perfect. Nobody ever said it was perfect. Nobody no. said it was a dream scenario. Bogdan is the prize in that situation. And you basically at that point, you, you use Deadman and Boban and Maxi and um, whatever, you know, what have you to kind of platoon your big men out. Right. It's, so, it's it's nothing that the Mavs haven't done in the past. You know, Rick Carlisle likes to do a – he likes having a center by committee type situation. Hell, that's how they won the championship. <laughs> yeah, was that's with exactly. Brendan Haywood and Tyson Chandler. Right. And, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier today, too. The idea of getting a big-name big center like Drummond or, you know, somebody like that – that just that doesn't need to be in the conversation. The point I made to somebody the other day is when's the last time a, an NBA team won a championship where their best player or sh- shoot even their you know third or fourth best player was their center. <laughs> you know. I mean the Mavericks. 
<laughs> in 2011. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, even even then, you know, Tyson he benefited a lot from playing with Dirk. You know, like a lot of people did, but uh, I mean, even then, though, I mean, that, that's what eight years ago. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, you win with it's, wings it's, now. It's nine years ago now. Nine years ago, and now. yeah, eight or nine years, and before that, it's probably Shaq, Andrew Bynum. Oh yeah, Andrew maybe? Andrew Bynum, maybe. Yeah, he had a good stretch there. Um, uh, Pau Gasol was a big part of what the Lakers did. Mm, Power um, But you know what I'm talking. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. He's different. He shoots. Yeah, yeah, it, right. He was a like stretch. the last bat back to the basket big that wasn't a good roller necessarily or a, or a fluid athletic roller was probably i mean Shaq. yeah so maybe maybe ben wallace with the pistons but that doesn't really count either yeah <laughs> so, I mean, so the, I mean the point is i mean their focus I don't think you need to throw everything out the window here just because you know they don't need to be desperate to find a replacement for Powell. But, you know, I, like we've been, been talking about, the whole, you know, taking on Dwayne Dedman so we could, so we could potentially get Bogdan Bogdanovich, I mean, it it's not as bad as what people think. Yeah, he signed a three-year deal uh, last summer, and he's making $13 million per year. Well, this year's, I mean, halfway over, and then next year he'll make $13 million, well, then the third year of his contract, he's only guaranteed $1 million. So, I mean, as long as yeah. they make a decision by July 1st, the first day of free agency, or before then, they would only owe him a $1 million uh, going into that 2021-2022 season. So it, he's, a, he's essentially an expiring contract. Yeah. I mean, so it's not going to affect them at all. It's not going to affect uh, 2021 free agency if they do plan on chasing after Giannis at that point or whoever else is going to be on the market then, it's not going to affect that. The big prize would be Bogdanovich. And if they're able to get their hands on him now and add to this young core, pair him with Luka and KP, I mean, that, that would just be incredible. And I don't see I don't see how some people can't see the upside to that. And even, look, even Deadman, obviously he's overpaid. But you look at what he did with Atlanta – uh, not just last year, but the season before. And he shot, let's see, the season before last, he shot 36% from three. He shot 38% on four attempts from deep per game last year. And he was in the 83rd percentile as a role man. And Dwight was like 87th this year. So, I mean, that's not a bad replacement. I mean, he's obviously no, a better I mean, shooter than Dwight. I mean, I, I don't, I don't expect huge things from him if the Mavs were to do that but I mean he's a serviceable big no he he's a because okay let's also look at it this way Dwight's probably not going to be back until next February yeah so they're still going to need him next season anyway (laughs) so so basically you're you're renting Deadman for the rest of this season the first half of next season and then if Dwight's, you know, he might not even be the same player after this, but if he is, then, you know, you, you have a, a nice stable core of big men that you can kind of platoon out then until Dwight's ready to take on more responsibility. And then before July 1st, you wave him or cut him or whatever, and you only owe him a million dollars, and then you're, you know, you're free of him. It's, there's nothing, and he kind of make you know, he makes the same money as Dwight. Yeah. So you could argue, you could argue that Dwight's overpaid. A little bit more, a little bit more than Dwight, but not much. I mean, it's like a million or two million dollars. Yeah. So I think whoever pointed it out to me on Twitter, it was twenty percent more, which you know that's not that much. Well, look, I'll say that if it, it's kind of like okay, everybody was horrified at the idea of the Mavs getting Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, you've seen what happens <laughs> when a guy goes from a place like New York to Dallas and he's playing with Luka Doncic and he has Rick Carlisle as his coach. Tim Hardaway Jr. has arguably been the Mavs' second best player this year. I don't, I mean, 
I don't even know why I say arguably. I mean, he he kind of has. <laughs> so well, yeah, and he's 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 he has to be in the conversation for most improved player. Yeah, I, I believe that. And you know, even with him, like when when he came over, I was like, okay, look what he did in Atlanta. You know, his best point guard he ever played with was Jeff Teague, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder for Schroeder for a little bit. So. I mean, you know, the Luka effect is very real. And I think if, if you're thinking about, okay, if we if we were able to get Bogdan, that still might not be enough to get him. But I'm just saying, I feel like the only way the Mavs have a chance to get him, they'd have to take back Deadman in a deal. So uh, that, that's what I'm looking at it as. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not ideal, you know, to get a guy like that and pay him that much money as your center or backup center, whatever he would be. But I look at what he did in Atlanta, and I'm like, why could he not do that with Luka? You know, because he was, he was playing with Trey last year, Trey Young. And, I mean, I just don't see why he couldn't put up those similar numbers playing with Luka. And I, I well, think it would end up being a plus. Let's also give Rick Carlisle some credit here. He gets the most – more often than not, he gets the most out of players like Deadman. Yes. Who are coming in and haven't necessarily been great in their last stop and has the tools to fit within his system. He gets the most out of those players. Look what he did with Doug McDermott. Look what he did with Samuel you know, Dallenbear. Sleepy Sa- Sam. <laughs> he made Samuel Dallenbear <laughs> and freaking Brendan Haywood serviceable big men. I mean, he he, Matt, he he's done it. Matt, he went forty-one and forty-one with Chris Kamen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he granted Dirk was Dirk, yes. but still, Luca is Luca. So you, but you have to give Rick Carlisle and his system and the way he fits players in a lot of credit. I think he could do that with Deadman. I think he could do that if they went another direction with, you know, Gordy Jang or something like that. I mean, you you that's a little bit less ideal because he makes even more money than Deadman. I don't think I don't know if he's expiring or not. I haven't looked, but I don't believe he is. I I I bet you that he would get more out of Gordy Jang than they're getting out of him in Minnesota. Yeah. And look, I mean, even if if that was the deal, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, I I lean towards the Sacramento idea just because not only is Bogdanovich just a good player, he can create his own shot. It's not, it's not just that he's a good player and he's good friends with Luka and all that good stuff, but he can create his own shot, which is, I mean, it's what we kind of need. We need another wing that can score, and he can score on his own. He doesn't have to have Luka setting him up, you know, to to play at his highest potential, which is kind of what... They desperate... Which is kind of what we see with Dorian They're desperately in need of that. Yeah, so... Guys like Finney Smith and uh, even Hardaway, you know that they're at their best when they're playing with Luca and they're getting set up by him. So that that's the biggest thing for me. Bogdanovich would be able to to create his own shot. He'd be able to work as a starter or with the bench unit, and I just I think it would really elevate this team to the next level. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but we'll just have to see. I mean. Like I talked about with Bobby, and we we discussed it, you know, a few minutes ago. It's not going to affect whatever else they were planning on doing. They can still do that. They just have something added to it now, and you know, to, it just makes things a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and I mean, look, if if KP, if he can just elevate his play a little bit, get back to where he was before that injury, you know, get his legs back under him because he got to a point where he was very springy you know he was starting to look like the old kp again uh if he the sooner he gets back to that that's gonna help a lot um he just he can't go four of 17 and uh us expect you know to beat teams like the clippers doing stuff like that so that'll help a lot to get him going too yeah absolutely and whatever they end up doing i think something that people really need to remember is that and obviously I I think Bobby would agree with this this team is so far ahead of schedule yes 
<laughs> that everything that's happening right now is just icing on the cake. Yeah. So the doom and gloom and, and all the stuff, it needs to stop. Like, yeah, I agree. It's disappointing that they lost Pal, and it's disappointing that, you know, they're as it's scheduled right now, they're probably going to face the Clippers, and if they play the Clippers in the first round, they're probably going to lose. But damn it, Dalton, I've been covering this team for five years now, and they haven't made the playoffs since I started covering them. Five years. I think you're a little bit off there. They've only, they've been out of the playoffs for three years, so <laughs> you were there for the Rondo quitting no, on his but, team. Okay, okay, I don't count that year because I came in right before the playoffs started. Yeah. And then he just quit. So since okay, since I've had a full season so I guess it's four years if you count the Rondo year. So it if since I've been covering the team full time, they have not made the playoffs and it has been a grind. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, doing uh during those thirty win back the uh, back to back thirty win seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and you with you end up doing back Kyle to- Collinsworth <laughs> and end up Jared Utoff and yeah doing I mean, doing back to back game recaps and seasons like that is no fun at all. So but I, mean, I mean it's already hard to do back to backs. I don't know how the the guys that travel with the team. You know, yeah. I mean those guys are eighty two like Brad Townsend. Yeah, I have so much respect <laughs> for Brad because he covers eighty two games a year. Yep, I don't know how he does it. Like, we at least can, you know, bounce it back and forth between each other and take a night off or whatever, but... Yeah, he's all over the place with the team. So. Yeah, and, and and guys like him were doing that when it was 33 and 49, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, them. it it's just, it's good. I mean, look, yeah, we've, we've had some frustrating moments this year. Out of the, the Mavs are 27-16, and like I told Bobby, 12 of those 16 losses have been by single digits. And there's been some questionable calls in some of them and just some really unfortunate stuff that's gone down. But it's good to care about, you know, the losses again. <laughs> it's good to have that yeah. feeling like, man, we – it's not delusion anymore. It's real. It's like, man, we really should have won that game. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's not – you're not going into games – thinking oh god how much are they gonna lose by tonight what time can i get home yeah like <laughs> it's really nice and i mean look that the rest of the schedule like bobby was talking about we don't know what this offense is going to look like now uh without powell in it at all uh we don't know who they'll eventually replace him with um the Mavs schedule coming up you know they still have to play okc uh, one or two more times they play play Houston three more times. Um, who else? They haven't even played Utah yet. They haven't played Utah. They play Utah three times. So I mean, it's going to be tough down the stretch. We'll see how it you know see how it pans out. But it, like you said, it's just it's great to actually care about these, even if they lose. You know, care about these outcomes. You know, knowing that they have the ability to win every one of them. So. That's great, and look, Matt, we're gonna we're gonna close it there. Uh, anything else you want to say before we take off here? No, not really. Um, you know, just the usual. Subscribe to YouTube and um, keep your eyes tuned to MavsSI.com. We're really our our numbers are really starting to blow up right now because oh, man. you know the trade deadline's coming up, so we're gonna have a lot of good good content for y'all coming out and. Um, you know, it's just it's a really exciting time to be a Mavericks fan and a DB follower. So yeah, yeah that that Google Analytics stuff, I was blown away by that. That that <laughs> that's amazing. But man, you should see the Cowboys the Cowboys numbers. <laughs> it's it's bananas. Yeah. So I, we're not I'm I'm not up out out here trying to brag about what we do because everybody works very hard and we do really well at the DallasBasketball.com site, but. The Cowboys site right now, everybody should go check that out too. Yeah. We're on pace for, I think, 3 million views, page views this month. Yeah, just since day one. Which is astronomical. (laughs) That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, but look, I mean, and like Matt said, definitely go check out our YouTube channel, uh, the Mavs Step Back Podcast. 
on YouTube. Uh, you have a chance to win two tickets to a Mavs home game of your choice just by being one of our first 1,000 subscribers. Uh, Matt, I really need to put this announcement at the beginning of our next podcast just in case people tune out by this point <laughs> and get, get more ears on it but yeah if you're if you if you've stayed with us this long definitely go do that if you haven't already but uh guys be sure to like rate and subscribe on all your other favorite podcast platforms we really appreciate y'all coming in and supporting us every week uh y'all are the best i mean we we had such a good year last year, and we're already off to a fantastic start now. Uh, and it, like Matt said, it's going to keep on building as we get closer to the trade deadline. So really appreciate y'all. Hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Y'all have a good one. A lot of times feel like I was on the road to nowhere. Tell me why all these people up in my face acting like I know them. Feeling like Luka Doncic, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest. God speaking through me every single track, profit like Moses. Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses. Feeling like mass 2019, grinding unfocused. I used to go to bed at night, this current so hopeless. Went through the same pain, my friends chose drugs to cope with. Now I'm reading all these hate comments, man, it got I'm in motion. I had to whip up the potion, I ain't knew you with the boasting. I was just broken, way down to my lowest. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.